Broadcasting live from the Cabal Coffers on the Plain of Dominaria, this is Tap Tap Concede. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Tap Tap Concede. I'm not Graham, I'm James. Graham is busy this week, so I figured I would step in and talk about magic, because I have opinions and thoughts. And I am joined by always, Nelson. Hi there, I'm here. And Cameron. Hello as well. And uh, this show is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Cardkingdom.com. They sell cards. Providing a clean and well-lit place to storm out. True. Uh, that's probably true right now. You can probably actually go there and, and play Magic safely. That sounds nice. I mean, or you could just storm out of the store. Oh, well, but why would you do that? Right. Because you never have anything but good experiences. Yeah, probably because you just want to shop online and you only came into the store to say hi to other Jordan. Mm, fair. Mm -hmm. Maybe get a coffee. Yeah. Or grilled cheese. Is there mail-in service so fast that it beats walking into the store and asking for the cards? How far can we go with this joke? Probably not, but, you know, I'm sure sometimes. Anyways, CardKingdom.com, they've been a sponsor of ours for damn near a decade. We love when we use them. We think you should, too. Make sure to throw in that slash LRR, CardKingdom.com slash LRR. That'll uh, apply our affiliate code, lets them know that we sent you there, and just helps out letting them know that, you know, we're actually encouraging people and convincing you to go and shop there because you should great prices fast shipping and if you say loading ready run sent me button please you will get a button currently that button is five color bad stuff <laughs> which is a great little button so every draft deck of mine yeah, yeah exactly and then of course this podcast is also brought to you by the fine folks over at our patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run we say it every single episode we couldn't do this without you we really appreciate your support and if you are not a patron and you're thinking you know what I could give $5 a month to those fine Canadian folks making content, then head over to patreon.com slash loading ready run and give us five bucks a month and we'll just keep doing what we're doing, but pay everybody at least one dime more a month. Seem fair? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very fair, James. <laughs> this is why Beege is a business manager and not me. <laughs> Nelson quickly races to his keyboard to let everyone know that this episode wasn't canon. Anyways, we're here this week to talk about a couple things. We are going to kick off with organized play, also known as OP. And then we're going to get into some of the spoilers that have come out over the last week, which include both Modern Horizons 2 and Adventures in the Forgotten Realms set. So we can take a look at, at what those sets have to offer. But let's let's kick off with the OP changes, which I will preface by saying Watsi has done, and for good reason, in my opinion, Watsi has done a pretty classic Watsi thing, which is they've announced something, but it's more kind of like an announcement of an announcement. It's more like, hey, this is going to change. We're not ready to tell you what it is, but now you know. And for 99.9% .9 in this case, it's kind of a pain in the ass, right? Like, I, you, nobody likes getting told, hey, do you want to hear some really cool, inter interesting news? And you're like, yes. And they're like, cool, we'll get back to you in six to eight months. Like, <laughs> nobody likes that. But I will say, right off the bat, the reason that it was done like this, the reason that it was talked about is because what is changing affects a bunch of people, and by a bunch of people, I mean everybody in the MPL and Rivals, dramatically, right? This is their livelihood. This is how they make a living, and it's going to change. And it's going to change in a way that everything that they know and enjoy and take advantage of right now will not be the case, you know, in, in 18 months or whatever the timeline is, I can't remember. So they needed to make sure that 
you know, major life decisions were not being made on outdated information. So for everybody outside of that system, it's it's kind of annoying because you're once again coming to us and telling us, hey, this is going to happen. We're going to change everything here. Uh, but we don't actually know what it is yet. And we can't tell you, which again, it sucks. But this is where we're at now. What are those changes? They basically announced that in, again, I think the 2021-2022 season will be the transition out of the current rival slash MPL league OP structure. So they're moving completely away from that. And I'm not going to get into what that all is. If you don't know what the MPL is or the rivals leagues are, you know, look into it. Nobody can really tell you what it is. It's very complicated. But what it does do is it pays a whole bunch of people a salary to play magic professionally. And that is all going away. And that was announced about a week ago via a article called Transitions and Getting Back to Gathering posted on the magic.gg website. I would recommend you go and read it and check it out. It's very, very, broad strokes there's no any real details in here for that i would also recommend you go and watch blake's weekly mtg from the same week if you go to the youtube channel you can find it i think he did a really good job just talking to the community for an hour trying to get as much information out there as he possibly could but the long and short of it is they want to get back to more what we had five years ago than what we had five months ago which is to say put a focus back on in-person events stop focusing on these you know 24 or 36 or however many people are in the rivals and, and mpl league and start to redistribute that to the greater community of magic players and it's a big change and and it's not going to happen overnight and it's you know it's not even going to happen this year or even really next year or late next year probably is when we'll start seeing this this change back but yeah 2021 2022 season for the MPL is going to be the last one so it'll be on into next year I'm not entirely sure sorry we mentioned this no one really knows it's hard to keep up with all the changes that they've already been making the last few years but I don't know exactly when the MPL league season ends but it's sometime next year it's probably the summer see this is a problem I don't know if we're currently in the 2020-2021 season or if we're in the 2021-2022 two season and we're magic podcasters so that is like that is a symbol of like why this is happening partly right like the league weekends are gonna stop very soon like possibly immediately and i think it's partly because they're not super engaging just at the league weekend with everyone streaming their own gameplay and you can watch 30 different streams but not one and and like it's a little disjointed you know it didn't grab a lot of people yeah so i mean i i don't want to talk too much about the mpl or rivals or any of that stuff i guess i'm just curious to hear what you two have to say and i i certainly have some thoughts about trying to get back to more focused on in-person play that being said digital is is not going anywhere they've made that very clear like it's not like we're losing arena or high level arena it's still going to be a part of, you know, the five pillars that Blake talked about in his video. What we are losing is the concept of somebody getting paid a salary to play magic professionally, which is unique in the sense that it's, you know, it's only been around for a couple of years. Before that, there was nothing like that. People were professional magic players because they were good at the game. They managed to win or 
you know, prize and, and money enough to make enough money or they wrote articles or they streamed or they did video, uh, draft videos or whatever. A lot of them were lawyers. And a lot of them were lawyers or poker players. But I guess I, I'm kind of curious. I guess what I wanted to talk about was just like, what would you like to see in the new world of OP that we're going to see in, you know, a year or two? Like, what kind of stuff would you like to see come back? What kind of stuff would you like to see not come back? Is there some new stuff that you've you've been thinking about recently that you would like to see more of? Nelson, we'll start with you. Well, you mentioned the word distribute. And I think, you know, one of the things we haven't seen is kind of like the balance sheet exactly of Wizards, you know, OP's budget and how it's being spent. We sort of know by consequence, like we can kind of we can kind of put it together, like what they put more money into, what they put less money into over the years and how that's changed. But 2019 was like the $10 million prize pool or whatever year of magic, right? Like the, it was supposed to be this new bigger than ever situation of like where the OP budget was bigger and they were talking about it and they were hyping that up. But I had the chance to speak with like a pro who'd been around playing for years and years at like the Burger Place next to Grand Prix Portland because he just came over and hung out with the judges. He knew, some, knew someone and so I was sitting right next to him and talked about this and I thought he was gonna be really excited and he was less like nah actually what they did was they just moved the money that they used to spend on plane tickets into the prize pool for attendance at these events so it's like it's sort of a sneaky accountant's trick and they can only do it once and yeah I think if they're saying now we're gonna take the money that we used to pay the MPL and we're gonna put it into prizes for tournaments on the surface that's fine like no you can't have a reliable gig that only the MPL, you know, salaries, as you mentioned, only lasted for a couple years. But that doesn't mean you can't still have pro magic players like we did five, ten years ago who just show up at tournaments, win money and use that money to pay to get to the next tournament and pay their bills. And that can be a thing. It's just it still remains a question of whether or not an equal amount of money will be coming out of OP or how they're going to change that. And we, we have no idea. Also, the like pro points club thing they had before the MPL, like where you had pro points. And if you did, you know, there was these thresholds for how much money you would get for appearance fees so that you did have a semblance of a salary like you at least would be able to plan like okay if i hit these three gps and i get average performance for me i'll lock up silver or whatever and then that means i only need to get this much scratch together so that if i can get to the next pro tour then they pay back the cost of my flight plus that month's bills or whatever you know they they could do this budgeting because there was a system in place and right now i don't know if there's any pros that do you know i read brad nelson's article and it's like okay they told us this stuff a while ago and we had to keep our lips tight about it until this week so i don't know if now they know that like okay there is going to be something where if you do x well then you're going to guaranteed be able to get that much money for that year or whatever so if they have something to replace that it certainly makes the notion of being a professional magic player easier but there were also these tweets that said they told us to to understand that the notion of the professional magic player was going to go away so there probably is going to be nothing like that i do want to say that i read that more as because the idea of a professional magic player five years ago had there was too much variance there right like you couldn't you couldn't really consider yourself like you you weren't on a salary like you weren't guaranteed to make whatever 55 or 60 or whatever the heck the MPL contract was you weren't guaranteed that money right like you had to go out every weekend and grind those gps and make sure that you stayed on the train to make sure that you you know were doing well at these pro tours and and making some money there so that if you had a few months where you weren't putting up the same kind of performance i mean it's very similar it's funny like the way that magic used to work was very similar to the way golf works right like 
you you make it on the tour you get your tour card now you can start coming to tournaments but if you want to get to the bigger tournaments you have to qualify for those tournaments and if you can qualify for those tournaments and do well there then you're you know you have a lifetime you know like for instance with golf if you win the masters in golf arguably the biggest tournament of the year the one that everybody wants to win if you win the masters you get a lifetime invite back to the masters you are always welcome to come back which is very similar to you know the The hall of fame right? the hall of fame or to a lesser degree you know old pro tours where if you won a pro tour you got to come back the next time right Right, like you you automatically qualified for the next pro tour now the thing that has always made magic and this is another question that i'm wildly curious to hear what your thoughts are on this is can magic be an esport like people want to think magic can be an esport like because like when i think of esport i think of league of legends i think of dota i think of counter-strike i think of the international i think of you know league of legends championships and stuff like that i'm thinking about massive arena and millions of viewers and literally sometimes tens of millions of dollars on the line like i don't think magic can never get to that point am i alone here on that one i don't know if it's possible for me to see from the inside right i don't know how esoteric magic actually is right right like i've seen some plays in magic that made me like you know full-on pog champ right very excited watching some like sick tech cook off is really great and then i watch you know league of legends or turn on the international when it's running and i have no idea what's going on and like what's the experience like for an outside viewer how accessible is magic how accessible are those like very exciting moments in the game and i don't know i want to advocate for magic but maybe maybe it's too weird or maybe it's too i don't want to say technical or complex but inscrutable yeah sorry long answer trying to click my thoughts here i don't think it's impossible but i do think it would be very difficult and we still aren't there yet magic is a hard game to watch especially like not even let's not even talk about the beginner like if you don't already play magic and you're trying to be entertained by watching magic let's give that one away like i i don't know when that happens but just say just you're trying to appeal to magic players and you want to make a watchable program certainly like you know i've been in the commentator booth on the the magic fests and online and i've done the commentary for our highlander shows and i really enjoy the commentary job but i think it is challenging i think it's really hard to offer something that's fun for the viewer to watch and keep it fun and a a lot of the weight falls on the commentator if your plan is to do it live i think you could potentially like with enough budget right you could try to have a situation where you're recording the games and then you're like very quickly editing them and then you have and then you send out a stream of like some just full-on live live feed when it was or, or you know no no editing when the pace was quick enough and then occasionally even you have you have to pause it and explain something if the pace is too fast but you try to make sure that it's even so that you have a regular watching experience because right now and like certainly from from the outset i think the attempt to make magic a watchable esport it's just the same as making chess a watchable esport right it's like are you prepared to watch a show where two people think and don't talk <laughs> Right. Because there's a lot right. of that in Magic and there isn't necessarily the clock. Now, Arena brought us the rope, you know, other other TCGs, you know, Hearthstone and Eternal and one. I don't know who thought of the turn timer first. It wasn't Magic, but some someone at some point was like, you know what? You should only be allowed to have so much time on your turn. And that helps. 
that certainly makes it a bit more watchable. But yeah, to turn magic into something that's a real spectator product that we can really firmly stand behind, because there's been lots of great shows like the Pro Tour have, have done great production quality, had really fun casters and commentators, had really cool graphics. The music keeps getting better. I've been really liking the background um, Pro Tour music, but still at its heart, it's like, you know, broadcasting a game of magic is tough i think i think we still have a long way to go to try to stand next to games that play in real time like league of legends or starcraft 2 or any of the shooters because the real-time games for the viewer offer like you know these very exciting swings very regularly really exciting moments happen every three minutes so yeah it's tough you have to i think you should start by appealing to the hardcore fans and not trying to make it too accessible for someone who doesn't know how to play. Although I know that's the dream. I know you want to be able to like from the position of the person selling this product of selling, selling the show to watch, you'd like to be able to get as many people as possible. But I think you should probably start from just make a watchable magic tournament for magic players. And even still, it's tough. That's where I get hung up is that we have arguably been trying to do that forever yeah right yeah we we have done nothing but try to create a enjoyable watching experience for the enfranchised magic player not even like the casual magic player Mm -hmm. i'm talking about an enfranchised know what's going on understands the intricacies of you know modern versus standard magic player and if we haven't got it at this point, I would argue that I don't think we ever will. And and here's the thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think it means that magic isn't that kind of game. Yeah, maybe we should be looking at baseball instead of chess. Magic is unlike any other, you know, quote unquote, esports game where and, and certainly unlike any other of the card games, because it has this physical and digital presence. Right. And I feel like that has been it's it's certainly in the last couple of years with the the rise and success of arena has been its greatest success. And, you know, fair point, you know, elephant in the room. COVID has really kind of messed things up for the last you know, 14 months and probably will do so for another, you know, several if we're lucky. But once we get out of it, I feel like taking proper advantage of the fact that you have both a strong digital and physical presence is something that, you know, could be super beneficial to the game. Because again, like I look at something like, you know, we'll go keep going back to League of Legends. I, I will admit fully that I don't understand how they're qualifying process works i don't know the different levels and leagues of play there are in that game but but what i do know is that you know you don't just like there aren't there aren't weekly tournaments you know ignoring covid there aren't weekly tournaments held around the world like magic fests or gps back in the day where if you spike that tournament like you could walk in off the street haven't played magic in a year don't pay attention to the competitive side of things sit down and go all the way to the top eight and win this thing and all of a sudden now you're going to the pro like there's nowhere else that there's no other game that really does that and I think that's something that we should be really embracing and leaning into, but also understanding that by doing so, maybe we can't have that big, flashy, you know, million viewer, multi-million dollar esports game. Right. Like maybe that just doesn't exist with Magic. Compared to other games, I would say Magic has like so many points of entry that can lead to gigantic prizes and accolades and, and success. But yeah, a lot of other games, you have two or three opportunities a year to maybe try to do that. And you have to get to the specific place to play in the tournament, right? Whereas Magic has like Grand Prix 
and trying to be in every region of the world multiple times a year. In that sense, it's great. On the other hand, if we take away the Pro Tour, it's like, okay, now what? what's the prize exactly? And that's the thing. We don't know if they're like, I, I, there will, I still think there will be high level competitive magic. They've said as much. We don't know what it's going to be. And, and that makes having this conversation a little harder, right? Like right. not knowing what the plan is makes talking about the plan a little tricky. But I still feel like we're going to see a good number of tournaments a year that, you know, really feel like the, the sort of the top tier. But, you know, for my money, if if we were ever going to make this work, this game work as a proper big league esport, that was what we just tried to do with the MPL and Rivals League. Now, it was convoluted. It was confusing. It changed too many times for its own good. But the bones were there and it never really found its footing. I don't know if it could under significantly better management, but I, I still don't I still don't think so. Honestly, I just found like competitive play extremely confusing. Like I I mean, the games are fine, but following the structure of it wore me out. <laughs> Right. Like I have no idea. I still have no idea what the feed is like into top tier competitive play. And, you know, at this point, I'm afraid to ask. Yeah, I think that's telling because I believe the goal of the MPL was to make one of them was to make that a little simpler for the viewer. Right. Like, hey, you can watch Jessica Estevan. You can watch Ali Warfield. You can watch Javier Dominguez. You'll know they'll be there next week. Right. And you, and we can build stories and we can, you know, root for them week after week. And we were hoping that that would help ease exactly that that problem of just like needing to follow what the point structure was. And honestly, I think they did OK at that. Like I did get somewhat familiar with who was in the MPL over the course of its existence. I still didn't know how exactly a, a new person would would enter, like what the exact threshold was and which tournaments or how you get the points to get into rivals or whatever. I understood by the nature of it being very small that it was extremely difficult and very unlikely for anyone to make it. That was clear. But that's also OK if you're willing to acknowledge that there's a value to having a small club of players in that league so that you know each person in that league comes up in the standings regularly and you can be a fan of autumn burchette and you'll regularly see them you know you can know that if blue tempo is good in the format they're probably going to play it so yeah the fact that that was actually a win and this is still happening and we all acknowledge that like, you know, the MPL wasn't as engaging as it could be or like it was still confusing. That's maybe telling and that really says that maybe the yeah, the odds are kind of stacked against Magic being a successful esport, like you're saying, James. So I think that's a very fair take. Maybe it's time to stop thinking about the viewer and just have the game serve the player because we all play Magic, right? Like, I don't think you need to stop entirely. I think you just need to admit the fact that this is as good as it's going to get, right? Like the biggest this is going to get is 10 or 15,000 people watching, you know, a Rivals weekend or 25 to 30,000 people watching a Pro Tour or 50,000 people people watching the the world championship or whatever like that like i th i think that's fine i mean of yeah. course for you know a multi-million dollar company owned by a multi-billion dollar company that's you know easier said than done and they will probably always be trying to to figure out ways to make it happen i don't know like i i also do wonder if you know if the last year and a half hadn't been like it has been would we have seen as much pushback against the mpl you know if if people were able to just get out of their homes and actually go to magic fest or hell even just go to their local game stores and, and play magic maybe there wouldn't be so much attention so much attention would have wouldn't have been placed on the mpl to basically carry all of competitive 
magic, all professional magic. Like, and that's the thing, right? Is that there is a difference between competitive magic and professional magic. And for the last year and a half, we've basically only had professional magic. And I do wonder sometimes if that, you know, played into just how poorly it's it's sort of done over the last year. Okay, so moving away from this, I guess. Uh, let me land yeah. on one more thing, if you don't mind. I Just as you described, it's like, that could be fine. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like trying to be a very fair and kind of harsh critic of magic as an esport. And then I remember like, you know, honestly, any pro tour weekend from from before all this, or even during like, you know, when there's, I didn't, didn't know what they're called anymore, when there's Mythic Championships, you know, just let me watch the matches, it, like paper paper matches with Marshall Sutcliffe in the booth or Riley or LSV. And then, you know, flip back to Maria or Rich Hagon, like doing the news desk and then there's a little commercial that shows the standings like honestly those those shows were like somewhat simple and easy to follow and it was it was fun for me like i did i did enjoy those so it's like at at that level of like part being part of the clique of twenty thousand people or whatever that watch these things it's like yeah i mean if we can afford to just keep doing that and we don't need it to be a, a million people watching twitch at the same time or whatever like then yeah we can i hope look forward to more successful shows like that so i mean what kind of stuff would you two like to see return in this new system which you know again we still don't know what it is we have no insider information and also you know as as people who have experienced organized play in maybe a different kind of way than a lot of people you know as content creators heavily enfranchised in this game but not playing it at a competitive level we kind of have this unique unique view and experience of op over the last decade now and i'm curious you know what what has worked for everybody what hasn't what would you like to see come back is there stuff that never existed that you would like to see exist cameron do you want to go first well i mean honestly i've never paid that much attention to competitive and professional magic i just never found it very compelling that being said i guess like what you need is you you have to ask what the purpose is right there's that line about a system's purpose is what it does right so what what is professional magic actually doing like what what function is it fulfilling and then either decide whether that's what it needs to be doing or whether it wants to be doing something else but even i mean even ignoring like putting aside the idea of professional or even and i'll I'll lump it in with high level competitive which i believe blake referred to as aspirational sort of the aspirational pillar you know even you know even as somebody who doesn't necessarily follow those aspects of the game you still used to you know play organized play sanctioned tournaments at at yellow jacket you went to magic fest and gps and you played there you know do you yeah, do yeah. you enjoy playing at that level or you know like what kind of stuff in that range you know the kitchen table zone the <laughs> you know the goes to a magic fest and and plays in side events kind of stuff like that's where you're pretty comfortable and happy yeah i i really enjoy the side events i will sign up for the main event and play like you know until i'm out which you know is usually two matches but it's not why i play magic really i what would get me more into high level play is more diversity in deck building to be honest all right right like that's the kind of the fundamental stuff that i'm on right now when i tune in or come into the office and people are watching like the weekend's enormous tournament and all the players are on the same deck i kind of lose interest in the game yeah that makes sense what would really interest me is seeing like those side techs right like like show me something spicy right doesn't just have to be i don't even know where i want to go with this this isn't useful information for for like 
wizards, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, I don't think it's wrong to say a big reason why I don't get into this area of the game is because, you know, to put it bluntly, you're not doing a good enough job making these cards. Yeah, like, I guess I don't find the gameplay compelling in competitive tiers. That that would be my problem, right? Like, I find the gameplay in limited much more interesting than I do in, like, mo modern or standard. Yeah. Just because the convert the, the deck builds all converge. Yeah, for sure. Now, years ago, they had all limited pro tours. Yes, yes. And I realized as I was saying that yeah. that was, you know, a thing that existed. But usually, partly because of the first thing you said, I think usually the limited pro tour kind of like viewer attendance was way lower than constructed because, and I think Wizards knows, a lot of the reasons why people like watching the pro tour coverage or the, you know, high level aspirational magic is to get deck techs, right? Like they want right, to see yes. what, what the best constructed decks are. That's useful core stuff, even if watching the whole game play out isn't always that much fun mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well yeah like I, I remember seeing oh god back in dragon's maze mazes and deck tech right like that was really interesting like examining the meta and saying like well you know the control finisher right now is not morphling was it morphling it was more etherling etherling right and like how do you beat etherling well right this is how you beat Etherling. you need, you need a card that says you win the game <laughs> yeah. yeah right it's like oh that's an interesting tactic right or not even a tactic a strategy so if i can sum up we have two out of three members of this podcast right now they're sort of like yeah i don't know i don't know if i care what they do with the pro tour right and i think that's like another elf in the room that's like wasn't part of the announcement about transitions and esports but is kind of like parallel to like last year being the year of commander and like more and more commander products coming out and what's he kind of acknowledging more and more over the years like okay yeah most of the community doesn't care about competition they want to have fun with their friends and like you know they might be playing at a local game store but they're not really keen on the prizes are keen on the like path to more and more stressful tournaments mm -hmm. so where i mean i'm the third party and you know the division is i mean across the whole magic community i doubt it's even a third it's probably like less than a third of us for however your metric is if you've paid money for magic cards in the last three years like maybe 10 percent of us are competitive players i'll guess i'm not sure but yeah i would like to see in-store tournaments that lead to something else i would like to see grand prix main events with prizes and kind of some trappings of celebrity i guess like it'd be nice if the top eight of the grand prix were or the magic fest were regularly you know done in a whole feature match area and you could you could view a stream of that or you could at least view some coverage of it and yeah along with that it'd be nice if there was a, a path from the magic fest up to some sort of pro tour that at least or pro tour like event that at least made it exciting to win that prize yeah mm -hmm. so th I, that's it for me yeah yeah no i i, I mean so i i was saying earlier in the show about taking advantage of the fact that you have both you know a strong physical and, and digital game i would love to see high level maybe even if it was just the world championship i i love the idea of there being one tournament a year that is the biggest stage there is right i don't know when in the year that happens but i like the idea of a season of magic that exists in paper it exists in digital both arena and online if they want to continue to you know use online magic online as a competitive outlet for the game where you know 16 18 24 however many people come together qualifying as they as they will throughout the year to play in 
a paper and digital event. And what I would love to see is for the paper side, that to be the limited aspect. The I loved watching eight players sit down at the table and physically draft cards together. I loved seeing the judge call the time, you know, pick up your cards, count them, pat, you know, pick, pass. You have 25 seconds, right? Like that, I love it. That's just, it's fun. And it's just like, it's what magic is. And the idea of, of mixing both paper and arena together in like this massive end of the year million dollar tournament that feeds from all the way from your local game store to people who are playing in magic online opens to the mocks over on online you know that's what i want to see with other big small like bigger tournaments scattered throughout the year that feed from either again in paper or over on arena kind of stuff like that like taking the the concept of the arena open and being like all right did you did you seven oh this thing did you win that two thousand bucks cool you're into that qualifies you into another bigger tournament that happens every quarter right and that qualifies you for a were you in a limited magic online or magic arena open cool you're in the limited you know the quarterly limited magic online open championship right and again those feed to this big end of the year tournament is what i would personally love to see i'd also love to see the return of the hall of fame and i know that this is something that they were talking about last year about turning it into more of a baseball kind of hall of fame and for anybody who doesn't know baseball hall of fame is the kind of hall of fame who recognizes everybody in the game you know mm. from from the players to the managers to mm. you know mm-hmm. you know to the reporters casters. yeah to casters yeah like they're all there if you if you interact with a game of baseball in a meaningful way for the length of your career then there's a chance that you can be put in that in that baseball hall of fame and i know it's really easy for somebody to say well you're just saying that because you want to be in the magic hall of fame and you know i would be lying to say i wouldn't you know <laughs> love the opportunity because who wouldn't but i think acknowledging the, um, the magic is just a, a game full of so many different kinds of people in terms of the people who make it in terms of the people who play it in terms of the people who create the content around it or cast it or whatever there are a lot of people who are deserving to be you know enshrined in that in that hall of fame sort of thing so that's kind of where i'm coming at yeah i like that a lot honestly perfect it's settled then dear whoever from watsi is listening to this which i'm sure you are you may take that deal and run with it also hit me in the comments if you know if there's anyone who like sold nachos at baseball games and they're in the hall of fame because they're the best at it like oh that'd be great right or hot dogs i guess is probably yeah. the more appropriate food or pretzels or you or know beer who who has the best you know yeah you're you're eight rows in from the uh, the stairs and this guy can get you a pretzel and a hot beer in three seconds and you're like damn yeah got my vote yeah you got me exactly you got my <laughs> vote so yeah i mean I, I think we can leave it there for organized play and we can chat about some of these spoilers that came out but i will say that i would love to you know i don't i don't tend to uh weed my way into the comments of youtube videos but uh, for this one i will definitely make an exception i would love to hear people's thoughts on on what you think of what you think of where you'd like organized play to go i don't don't go down into the comments and complain about where it's been or where it's at right now we know it's changing what do you want to see it change to let us know in the comments i'm i'm genuinely interested to see what you all have to say so by all means go do that now it is what day is it today it is the 21st of may may what by the time yeah by the time this comes out it will be the 24th of may and the modern horizons 2 pre pre pre-release will have been announced it will actually have been announced about four hours from when we are recording this 
So that is coming up on June 2nd, next Wednesday. It is happening on a Wednesday. This is not a permanent change, but I will say that for Modern Horizons, we will be doing a Wednesday PPR because the date got pushed back one week, but the digital release dates didn't. So what would make sense to most people would be like, oh, it got pushed back by a week. You're going to be doing that on June 4th. But if we did that, it would already be live and playable on Magic Online. And it's a lot less enticing for people to come watch us play it when they can literally just open up and go and play it themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're doing it on Wednesday. So please do tune into that. It's all the people you know and love with the exception, not that you don't both know and love these two people, but a little bit of a swap out. Adam is taking this PPR off and we actually have Jeremy White, who some of you may know from various streams over the years, but also one of the hosts of North 100 joining us for his first PPR, which is is really exciting so yeah welcome to the ppr coach yeah look forward to that again coming up on june 2nd in the meantime we had some brand new spoilers over the last couple days mostly all yesterday during weekly mtg and which cards are y'all excited to talk about i mean we could we could fire off dakin dakin yeah dakin 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 i said dakon back in the day dakon so So this is dakon shadow slayer this is a zero loyalty planeswalker that casts for white blue black enters a battlefield with a number of loyalty counters on him equal to the number of lands you control so theoretically you know three at minimum but not necessarily plus one surveil two can somebody ex- remind me what surveil two means it's like scry but graveyard instead of bottom so right. look at the top two cards of your library you may put any number of them into your graveyard and then put the remaining ones back on top in an uh, order of your choice thank you minus three exile target creature Ooh, love to see it it's not a bad ability minus six you may put put an artifact card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. So all three abilities, you know, available right away, given six lands in play. I, I mean, yeah, mm. pretty cool card. Gotta say, I liked the first Dakon card a lot. I really appreciate that they're a planeswalker now and they still have loyalty equal to that lands you control, just like Dakon used to have power toughness equal to your lands. So Dakon, a reminder, Dakon Blackblade from Legends originally was a star star that cast for two black, blue, blue, white and that reads the stars below <laughs> equal the number of lands you control also known as uh, power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control now it was such a great album the stars below the stars <laughs> below yeah yeah this card this the planeswalker is real spicy though congratulations yeah. Dakon, you made it and also bringing back richard kane ferguson to do yeah. the artwork yeah richard kane ferguson doing the artwork again fantastic this is a sentimental home run for me but also looks like a pretty good card yeah yeah, yeah no i all i want to do is leave two blue up and plus stack on all day i mean how many planeswalkers can be cast and alt immediately there's a few sarkhan the mad i think comes to mind the nissa that has x in her casting cost right yep yeah, yeah i guess any x mana yeah sure yeah dakon's not the first but it is pretty rare usually the feel of the planeswalkers is you got to use the plus if you want to use the big minus yeah what else did we got we got a brand new suspend tutor yeah i was gonna say this profane tutor no casting cost suspend two for one black and it's dt right search your library for a card put that card into your hand and shuffle how good will it feel to cascade into this or will that feel bad who can say <laughs> <laughs> i mean do you like cascading into draw card spells yes 
okay, then it's going to feel fine. It's going to feel totally great. If you're always trying to cascade into stuff that affects the board, because that's what you're used to doing with your cascade decks, then it won't feel so good. But yeah, this card's, I don't know. I can't, I think it could be just abjectly horrible, but might be fine. I don't think it's going to be amazing. Wheeler tweeted this card with the gif of the Grinch doing his Grinchy smile. Mm -hmm. So I assume it, that when I see that, I just assume it means it's probably going to be good in Canadian Highlander. Oh yeah, it gets into garbage platter for sure. Like when you're playing the tutor tribal with a bunch of done combos and it's just another like pretty sweet tutor. Yeah, it definitely gets into that deck. I think it's going to be, it's going to be somewhat playable Canadian Highlander for sure. All right. Uh, I just don't know. Like, you know, that deck's kind of a hot mess. Garbage platter, a hot mess? (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's one of these things where it's like, is this card bad? Yes. Will Wheeler win games with it? Of course. (laughs) Fair, fair. Also, should look very handsome in foil. Oh, also, yeah. courtesy of the Richard Kane Ferguson art. More Richard Kane Ferguson art. More pictures of Dakon Blackblade. I'm here for it. It does get the old border treatment, the old frame treatment as well. And it looks real good. Real good. What else have we got? We got a card here called Grief. This is a 3-2 elemental incarnation for two black black. It has menace. And it says, when Grief enters a battlefield, target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a non-land card from it. That player discards discards that card and it has evoke which is exile black card from your hand is this card any good the tweets are this next to an ephemerate which you can do on turn one Mm. right like you play Mm -hmm. a white source you exile a black card to get grief on the battlefield and then you ephemerate it before the way evoke works is it's two triggers or sorry it's it's always on creatures with abilities but it's just a trigger that says if you paid the evoke cost sacrifice this but it's a trigger that goes on the stack along with and usually underneath the other beneficial trigger of the the elemental with evoke so you just let the first one resolve and then uh ephemerate it or blink it somehow and then you get the trigger again but then this time when it comes back to the battlefield after being blunk it doesn't have an evoke trigger because it wasn't cast for its evoke cost so it just hangs out so you get your three two menace and you exile two cards from their hand or make them discard two cards and then you're out a black card and you cast your ephemerate i mean that seems pretty good yeah it's a pretty good turn one yeah let me yeah also you. you've got a three two with menace yeah you've taken two of their cards so just the three two on its own might win the game on the following turn your your ephemerate's going to rebound so like yeah you paid a cost and you're down the ephemerate but they're down three cards and now you have a three two menace that can attack on turn three it's pretty sweet it's a pretty sweet opener i think we're going to see it a bit on the modern tournament tables another powerful one that hit the the previews is rishadan dockhand which is a little homage to rishadan port not a card we've seen in modern before getting out the the rishi d (laughs) yeah Rishi D, that's right. <laughs> one blue mana for a 1-2 Merfolk with Island Walk and pay one generic and tap this to tap target land. I like this card a lot. This card also has the old frame treatment as well. Yeah, this card seems pretty cool, actually. So uh, Rashidian Port was just tap for colorless one tap tap target land right yes so same ability and instead of being a land that taps for a generic or a colorless this is a one mana one two island walk which means maybe a little faster you can get them down like you can potentially lock someone out a bit quicker but yeah i mean has the utility of killing your opponent sometimes I mean, that's always nice. I hear that's what you're supposed to do in this game. We got a white dragon, timeless dragon, three white white for a 5-5 dragon. 
flying, plane cycling to, and eternalize for two white white. And just a reminder for that, eternalize is exile this card from your graveyard, create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a 4-4 black zombie dragon with no mana cost, eternalize only as a sorcery. Kind of a neat card. Yeah. Seems like it's going to be real good and limited. Did they change the templating of that reminder text? Didn't it used to say, except it's a 4-4 black zombie in addition to its other types? I feel like that's pretty nitpicky and doesn't matter. Decent card for limited, for sure. Yeah, I would plain cycle this on two and then eternalize it on four. Yeah, for sure. Another tutor, Unmarked Grave. Saw last night that this card was named by Aaron's Forsyth on Twitter, and he was pretty happy that it actually stuck, because apparently that doesn't happen very often. But one in the black, search your library for a non-legendary card, put that card into your graveyard, then shuffle. Okay, so we've got a strictly worse Entomb, but an Entomb that you can play in uh, Modern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like can't get Elish Norn, can't... Can't get Grizzlebrand. Get, can't get Grizzlebrand. I was like, should I mention Grizzlebrand? Is Grizzlebrand still banned in Modern? This is where I am with this game right now. No, no, Grizzlebrand's a strategy in Modern, yeah. Okay, okay, great. But yeah, no, I mean, it's in Tomb. What's not to love? You know what it can get? Past in Flames. Oh, yeah. It can also get another P card, Platinum Empyrean, if you want to go mm -hmm. that route. It can okay. get a Blightsteel Colossus. Or no, it can't, sorry. I mean, it can get a Blightsteel Colossus, but then... <laughs> Yeah, if you if you need to shuffle or you can just get the mere battle ball. Yeah. The fact that it can get non creatures is pretty sweet. I, I like the idea of going and getting past in flames a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, could you put bridge from below? You sure could. That's a non legendary yep. card. Good call. All right. Well, let's talk about two more cards here. Thrasta hmm. Tempest's Roar. Ten green green for a seven seven dinosaur. So I'm going to go out and let and say it's failed the vanilla test. But this spell costs three less to cast for each other spell cast this turn. It it has trample. It has haste. It has trample over planeswalkers, which does exactly what you think it does. Yep. The community asked for it for years. This is like an ability that was made by people asking questions at Yellow Jacket. Yeah. And it has hexproof as long as it entered the battlefield this turn. Thrasta is going to break some hearts. Yeah, and some heads. Yeah. I'm wildly excited to hear because I, I I do the card reader and tech and stuff for North 100. I'm very excited to hear Jeremy's reaction to this card because he always seems to to react poorly to green cards that seem wildly overpowered and can't really be interacted with. And at least on the turn that this comes down, which might be the only turn that really matters at this point. Yeah, it doesn't matter. We got counterspell. We got counterspell. It's fine. You just yeah. hold up two blue blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It can be countered, but it's also kind of good against counters because if you can just cast two other threats that turn, if they counter both of them, then you can play only two green for this one. Yeah, because it's not spells you cast, right? So it's kind of sweet against counter spells. I mean, if the if the green deck is playing three threats a turn, oh, I God. think the control deck is in more trouble than yeah. just like what one counter spell can fix. I didn't even. Wow, I didn't even read. Yeah, sorry. What Nelson just said, I didn't even think about that. It's cast this turn, not by you. Yeah. Oh, so it's yeah. yeah you you cast a spell, they counter a spell, and all of a sudden this thing costs six colorless less to cast. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, this Woo. is Stormosaurus. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely works if you you are storming too. Yeah, it's legendary though, so you can't have a plan of like putting three of them in your hand casting four spells that make mana and then dropping these on the board but it's still pretty cool yeah no i agree all right one last card let's talk about flame tongue yearling mm. this is a red red two one cavu which has multi kicker for two and it enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it for each time it was kicked and when it enters the battlefield it deals damage equal to its power to target creature so this is uncommon you know this is obviously not as good as its bigger brother or parent 
I suppose. But this seems pretty cool. I think not as good isn't fair, actually. You don't think so? No, yeah. We'll look at it without any multi-kicker. How into this card are you? Because there's a card similar to 2-1 for some mana cost. It deals two damage to target creatures, what it says on it, that we play in Canadian Highlander, at least up until fairly recently, especially in the, like, uh, your deck is all creatures with Enter the Battlefield abilities and you play pod, called, I want to say just Fire Imp? I think that's what it's called. It's like Fire. two generic and one red for a 2-1 that deals two damage. It might be able to do any target, but still. Yeah, from Portal? Yeah, it's in there to hit creatures. So this is like, you know, the cheap version of this effect. Flametongue Cab is often in this deck too. Flametongue Cab is a very powerful card and it's easier to cast than this, but you have to pay four for it or you have to like, you know, sacrifice a three drop to go get it with pot or whatever. Like it, it's a four drop, whereas this is like a new way sweeter fire imp. Plus it on the, on the other side, like if you have a ton of mana to put into it, it can do things that Mama Flametongue Cabu can't right? Like where you like live through an empty board. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Kill their primeval Titan. If you have enough mana to do that. Also, because fl so. flame is flame tongue. Cabu. If you don't have a creature on the board, flame tongue. Cabu just kills itself, right? Yeah. Same, yeah. Same here. Same yeah, here. Same right? Yeah. Sorry. I, yeah. I missed the, I missed the bottom line where it's damage equal to its power. This can never live through an empty board. That's right. Yeah. No, it always just targets itself and dies the same way you got to do with flame tongue. Cabu. In fact, that's like an old trick where you, you know, you can sacrifice your own creature if you only have one in response to them casting the Flame Tongue Cavu, and then the Flame Tongue Cavu enters and has to burn itself up with its fiery breath. I gotta breathe all this garlic on someone. This is also another one of the cards that has the showcase sketch, Ooh. the sketch version of the cards. And I don't know what the, I haven't actually really looked, so I haven't seen what the reaction to these particular showcase cards have been but I, they're not doing it for me yeah i don't know what, I don't know I, what it is I, I like teasing them about it but it's cool i don't know it's another thing i think i dig the art i think what is not doing it for me is the actual frame hmm. yeah that's fair the frame being also sketchy is a little bit off-putting because the thing is is that in my brain the frame is not drawn so why is it being made to look like it is we need to let you know somehow that this is a sketch. I mean, the 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 black and white sketch art does does that quite well. <laughs> That's why the board is there, James, to help you out. Okay. You know who else can help you out? Card Kingdom? CardKingdom.com. They're mm. going to help you out with your singles needs anywhere in the world or your new sealed product needs anywhere in the United States or your old sealed products needs, again, anywhere in the world. If you go to CardKingdom.com forward slash LRR and if you ask for a button, they will give you a little an inch button, which if you order quickly will say five color bad stuff. And it's a little like pie chart. It looks really good. It's a good little, it's a cute little button. Yeah, you'd like it because you like us and you like supporting us over on Patreon and we appreciate that. It helps us keep the lights on at uh, patreon.com forward slash loading ready run. It lets us do all these things and make all these silly podcasts and, and promote our silly opinions, which you've spent the last hour listening to. So thank you. I agree. Thank you. Hmm. Quick reminder that again, June 2nd, Starting at 11 a.m. Pacific is the Loading Ready Run Modern Horizons 2 pre pre release. So please do turn, tune into that. If you are not already following our Twitch channel, just head over there right now, hit that follow button, and you will be notified when we go live. Otherwise, I would follow either at Loading Ready Run or at LRRMTG on Twitter, which you should be doing anyways. Thank you again to Nelson and Cameron for hanging out with me today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Fun to be back in the uh, the talkie talkie seat, but I look forward to going back to silent mode next week. I want to thank Jordan for getting these edited. I want to thank me for running the card reader and I want to thank Heather for getting these things online and doing all of the podcast administration. Y'all have been great. Hope you have a good week because it's Monday. Maybe where you are. I don't know. Okay, that's it. Goodbye. Goodbye.